0: unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. Alright, this episode's going to be a review of the Ravens game, and a preview of the upcoming game against the Kansas City Chiefs, and Justin Lacey's going to come by with some thoughts as well.
1: What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Madbacker Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day?
0: Week 16 review, Cincinnati Bengals 41, Baltimore Ravens 21. Joe, did you see Wink Martindale's comments about not giving out gold jackets just yet? Yeah, I did. Did that mean anything or resonate to you at all? I think it was an unnecessary comment. I wouldn't say I was offended by it. I'm in year two. Who knows what's going to happen down the road? I didn't think it was a necessary comment. Was it on your mind as you were throwing for 525 yards? Maybe. 525 yards, four touchdowns, eluding sacks, taking hits, scrambling out of there, hitting every receiver, pinpoint accuracy, winning. That's our quarterback. Now the world knows what us Bengal fans have always known, that Joe Burrow is one of the top players in the NFL, not just a top quarterback, but one of the top players. And our wide receiver core is the best in the league. I'm recording this episode on a Tuesday, and I got to say I'm a little nervous. Brandon Allen entered the protocol, and you know he's right there with Joe Burrow in the room, talking to him all the time on the sidelines. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed because that's a major, major thing. We got out of this game pretty healthy. The only injury that I saw was Camp Sample with a hamstring. Hopefully he can rest up, stretch that out, and be back in action within a week or two. We've been juggling linebackers a little bit. It's nice to see that Pratt and Bailey are in there contributing, playing well. And then behind them, there's a lot of open space there. You have Calitro, who they just brought up, Clay Johnston, Keandre Jones. They signed to Grace Scales, who was an Ohio guy. And, you know, Bocce, Gaither, Evans on the injured list. So there's a lot of juggling going on at that position. Hopefully Pratt and Bailey can stay healthy and keep playing like they're playing and keep the other guys on special teams. All right, regarding the playoff race, one more win clinches it. Whether it's beating KC, whether it's beating Cleveland, whether it's beating both of them, one more win. Or if Cleveland loses one more... Or Baltimore and Pittsburgh lose one more. So there's a lot of things that come into play here. So let's look individually at those three division rivals. First off, the Ravens, they need to win out and we need to drop at least one for them to get in. They're playing the Rams and the Steelers, so it's going to be a tough road for them. The Browns also need to win out. They play at Pittsburgh and then against us, so that's not going to be easy for them either. And then the Steelers need to win out and we need to lose a game and they play against the Browns and the Ravens. So Divisional rivals are playing each other, so there's going to be some losses there that happen automatically. You know, I guess the the worst scenario would be the Browns to win the next game and then to defeat us. But I don't think that's going to happen. Aside from that, I don't think there's much keeping us from the playoffs. But again, we control our own destiny. Win one of the next two, and our dreams come true. The wildcard teams are looking tough, I have to say. So that first round is not going to be easy, even though it's going to be a home game. So you're going to have the Patriots or the Bills. I'm not sure who's going to win that division, but both of those teams are no picnic to play against. Then you have the Colts and the Titans. Titans are going to have Henry back. The Colts are one of the hottest teams in the league right now, so it's not going to be fun playing either one of those teams. I'm not sure who's going to win that division either. It looks like the Colts have two pretty easy games and then beyond that, that third wild card position, you have the Dolphins, Chargers, Raiders, Ravens. There's a whole bunch of teams that could fit in there. Not too many teams that worry me, but those first two wild cards, you know, they're just as good as the division winners. As you can see, it's a toss up on who's going to be the wild card, who's going to be the division winner for those first two slots. So either way, we have a bunch of tough games. It's all playoffs from here on Chiefs, Browns, and whoever they want to bring in in the first round of the playoffs and beyond. All right, let's go on to some general observations from the game. First off, a full stadium. And I know we've had sellouts in the past, but I just looked at the crowd at one point during the game when they showed a shot of the whole stadium, and I've never seen it that full. To my recollection, even though there's been other sellouts, that was packed, and it's great to see everyone coming out right now. There's so much excitement behind this team, and this is on target to be one of the greatest Bengal teams that we've ever had. If they can just keep on the path that they're going, Joe keeps playing like he's playing, we keep him upright, great things are going to happen this year and beyond. Harbaugh's a baby. All game, just jawing at the refs and looking like a baby, pouting on the sideline, getting mad at Coach Taylor at the end of the game. You know, he just can't take his own medicine. He, he's done that to us a few times where he's run it up mercilessly. And even when he was talking to Coach Taylor after the game, Coach Taylor was just like, yeah, whatever, man. You don't intimidate me. I don't care about your resume or you talking tough. And you know what, Wink? You got what you deserve, too. You want to call out the guys and be unprofessional like that? You know what? It just came back to bite you. It was an embarrassing loss. And I don't care if the Ravens were undermanned. You know, if you look at how we played them in the past, we played them without Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and a bunch of guys last year. And, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. They have an NFL squad. They had a bunch of starters that were playing. I know they were down to their third-string quarterback, but it was a veteran quarterback. You know, you can make all the excuses in the world, but you know what? It's an NFL roster, and it's a win, and that's all that matters. I don't care what the Ravens fans want to say. I don't care what the Ravens coaching staff and organization wants to say. It's our division. Whether you had Lamar and everyone in there, we were going to win that game anyway. And to be honest, I read Coach Taylor's comments after the game, and he was saying, you know, we had to keep our foot on the gas because they almost came back versus the Packers. And, you know, what? Uh, that's nice, politically correct talk, but you know that we were piling it on. And I'm glad that he said the right things, but deep inside, you know the real message that was being sent there. And at the top of the show, I mentioned Joe Burrow with the 500-plus yards. It's amazing. But I got to say that numbers don't mean that much. Championships do. And with that said, I think that we should have been a little more careful. I don't think Mixon should have played in the fourth quarter. He came into the game banged up. He already had a great game up to that point. And if you look at those last couple drives, Joe took two sacks and two big hits, one to the head. So you're putting yourself in a lot of danger there. I know we're sending a message. I know we had the momentum. I know neither one of those guys wanted to come out. But I think it would have been prudent for us and a better decision to have pulled both of those guys for the fourth quarter. So we scored on seven straight drives. I don't even think we punted the whole game. I mean, just an amazing offensive effort on all fronts. T. Higgins is playing as well as any wide receiver in the league right now. And you know what he's doing? We know that he runs good routes. We know that he's fast. He can high point the ball. You know, the whole package with T. Higgins. He is really coming alive right now at the perfect time. But what I'm noticing, the best part about him is he's catching the ball with his hands. He's grabbing it and holding on to it. You know, a lot of guys catch it with their body, especially if they're in traffic. That's how drops happen. You can see full concentration on the ball and snatching it out of the air with his hands. That's the proper way to catch a ball and the proper way to play wide receiver. And it's working like a charm with this guy. So on to the flow of the game. We had that great first drive, but we had another red zone sack. I know there was a penalty, whatever, but it kind of pushed us back. We ended up going for the field goal. That's been happening a lot in the red zone the last few games. We'll get there in the beginning of the game early, and then there'll be some sack that drives Joe back to like the 15 or 20-yard line. So that's something that we want to take a look at when we're looking at film and seeing what's going wrong there. But I just want to see, especially against the Chiefs, I want to see them march down the field on the first drive, no complications, and go up 7 nothing because we're going to need a lot of points to beat them couple elements that we were using effectively this game we were doing the hurry up offense we were also doing a lot of five wide so we weren't afraid of that pass rush of the Ravens and all of it was working really well on Baltimore's end I knew see a lot of times when you play a new quarterback or a team that's offensively challenged and might not put up the best game sometimes when you play a bad team they have that scripted first drive and then they come out They score right away. They look like they're going to be a contender for the whole game, and I said that right after they scored that first touchdown. I was like, you know what? That's their script. That's them coming out of the gate. You know, they've been planning that drive all week. I said, now they're going to have to play on the fly, and I I knew that they weren't going to repeatedly score, and from there, you know, I mean, they got a couple touchdowns later in the game, but you saw after that first drive, they were stalling and stalling. I think Patrick Queen plays dirty. I don't know. You know, I've seen him play a few times, always doing some late hits, and I don't you know, linebackers play hard and play tough, so I'm I'm not going to indict the guy. You know, he's not kind of a middle of the pack linebacker, but I don't know. I felt like he played a little bit dirty. He had that one hit on Higgins when Higgins was way out of bounds, and the ref's standing right there, just like last game when when that happened to Drew Sample. The ref is like right there. It's a blatant late hit. They don't call it. And the same thing with that throwdown of Mixon later in the game. He wanted the defensive lineman. The play was over, whistled dead, and then he throws Mixon to the ground and raises his hands like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. And again, the ref is right there. I don't know. You know, maybe you got to earn your way with the refs. But, I mean, those are two – those are three blatant personal fouls over the last two weeks that weren't called. And I I don't like to be this conspiracy guy. I'm really not. But I almost feel like if that was Tampa Bay – or the Cowboys I almost think the refs would have thrown a flag on that the Bengals maybe we have to earn our way with the refs or maybe it was just not as egregious when you're standing right there as it looked when you watched it on on TV Averett paid the price for going low right I, I hate when DBs go low on tight ends and I know they have to because you can't take on a 260 pound tight end up top you're just going to bounce off them I know Part of me wishes that there was no more tackling from the knee down, but I know you can't play football like that. So there it was, a case of a DB going to take out a tight end's knees, but Uzama got low too, and he just drove his his thigh right into Averett's side. That's got to be broken ribs or close. He comes out of the game even more costly for the Ravens because they were down to very few defensive backs, and he was probably the best corner that they had and he went out of the game pretty early. So that, that was the writing was on the wall after that play. And as I said, we were successful with the five wide receivers, which when you go five wide, there's man coverage for the most part. You really can't do a zone. You have to make sure there's a body on a body. So we were eating them up when they went man on the five wide. And then when we weren't in five wide, they were playing a lot of zones, so we were eating up their zone. So Wink Martindale, your zone didn't work. Your man-to-man didn't work. It was just, you were just getting butchered no matter what you were doing, and everything that we were doing was working. So let's go into one of the most important times of the game that we always talk about on this show, and that's inside of two minutes in the first half. So the Ravens, they go, we get them at the 10-yard line after the kickoff, you know, great special teams tackle, Morgan was in on that play, and then they go 90 yards downfield for a touchdown. I was getting a little nervous, even though we were up considerably at that point, I think it made it... 24-14 A 24-14 game at that point but it was like wow they just drove 90 yards but deep inside I was like you know what they can't go score for score for us we're gonna take this game so what happens we call a couple timeouts during their long drive we make sure we leave the offense with enough time to do its work and what do we do we score right before the half again it was at the 21 second mark again another key you go in right before the half with a score usually it's a field goal for teams In this case, it was a touchdown. We had that big catch by Higgins, which I'm going going to go into in a little bit. And then you had Higgins with the touchdown to seal it. It was 31-14 at that point. No chance for the Ravens. The second half was just a a formality at, at that point. So another crucial point in any football game, the first drives of the second half. So what happens, the Ravens get the ball first. They get a first down or two, but then we have a big Hendrickson sack. And then he he strips the ball, but Johnson recovered it. So he he came out of the locker room really amped up and alive. So they didn't even cross the 50 on their first drive of the second half. And then we move on to our first drive of the second half. We started at the 14-yard line. We consumed about 10 and a half minutes of clock. We went for it on a fourth and five. We had two holds and a taunting penalty on that drive, and we're still able to move down the field for a field goal. So you end the first half with seven. You start the second half with three. That's 10 points. I mean, that's the formula to to winning games. And we mixed it up effectively. I'm not going to go over every play and break down each one, but here is who got the ball. It was Mixon, Boyd, Burrow Scramble, Pirine, Chase, Mixon, Mixon, Chase, Mixon, Higgins, Mixon, Pirine, Uzama, Higgins, Mixon, Uzama, Mixon, Boyd, Mixon, Uzama, McPherson, 36-yard field goal. That's spreading the ball around. That is excellent play calling. Not only were the plays successful, but the fact that we were just spreading it around to every playmaker on the team. Every skill position guy basically had a touch on that drive. So again, we continue to be great out of the locker room. And here it was, another successful first drive of the second half. And again, that drive consumed 10 and a half minutes, which was most of the third quarter. And when you're up by a couple scores and you can hold the ball for that long, the offense gets cold sitting on the sideline, the other team's offense, and you just show dominance. And there it was, game over. Fourth quarter, I know we kept the starters in basically against my opinion. I wouldn't have done it, but we talked about that already. But I do like how we did the first drive of the fourth quarter. We did eight passes, and we mixed it up. It was a Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Boyd, Uzama. Chase, Uzama, Higgins, TD. I mean, just everybody getting the ball from Joe Burrow. Just the ability to spread it around, the play calling to get everyone involved. Just pass after pass. I know Coach Taylor said he wasn't aware that Joe Burrow was approaching 500 yards. But when you get a drive like that, when you're up that much, and you throw eight times in a row, truthfully, I think he was aware. But that's okay. And then from there, we had Tyler Boyd on another potential long touchdown that would have put us at 48 points. And I know Chase got his touchdown, Higgins got his touchdown, Mixon got his touchdowns, and I think they wanted to get Boyd 1-2, and he almost had it, but you could see the ball hit the ground, so they reversed the call. But, man, that I mean, you want to talk about staying aggressive? We were staying aggressive this game. You, you can't deny that. And then the last comment from the game, to further show that we were trying to really stick it to the Ravens and get Joe as many yards as we could, we went with five wides at the two-minute mark in a blowout game. So, you know, you I mean, if another team did that to us, I would be really, really mad. But when you're on this side of it, it's kind of fun, again, especially against a division rival that you don't like. And what happens at that two-minute mark? Joe scrambles. He sees Mixon downfield, hits him for over 50 yards. Beautiful pass, too. Just a perfect lead. Way to get open, mix, and downfield like that, too. Just a nice way to cap off the game. You know, that's like celebration time for the Bengals fans. That's like, you know, the fun stuff when you're just killing like that and everything you're doing is working. Individual performances. I'm not going to go into too much detail here because pretty much everybody's individual performance was great. Joe Burrow spreading the ball around. And they brought up a stat. If you look up all the games that Cincinnati Bengals played this year, this is a case of spreading it around. Higgins led the team to receiving for six games, Chase for five games, and Boyd for four games. That's just totally utilizing all three of these receivers and a credit to this coaching staff, the quarterback, and this great receiving core. You just don't know who to stop. When you have all of those guys putting up numbers like that, it's a nightmare for a defensive coordinator to, to game plan against you. And I'm hoping that the Chiefs are going to feel that. Coach Spagnola. You know, good luck trying to solve this because we're coming for you back to joe with the accuracy the things i always talk about the completion percentage i mean his completion percentage is through the roof and the balance like he's taking hits that would send most people down he's just got very good balance especially for coming back with a, a reconstructed knee to be able to stay on your feet like that you know spinning around getting hit by 290 pound guys 310 pound guys just a credit to his toughness and it really does come down to having out of world balance and Joe's getting better and better before our eyes. We know he's an elite quarterback. We've known it for the from the first game he played, you could see it. But you can, you can kind of see him getting better as the season goes by, and that's scary because if he just keeps improving and next year he's doing the same kind of improvement, that, that's a Super Bowl, period. No one's going to beat him if he plays like this and, and keeps the trajectory going up. And he's doing this with a knee that's not fully healed, A dislocated finger that a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't even be playing with. And that throat thing, you know, even though they don't talk about it, it probably still lingers a little bit. When you have that kind of throat contusion, that doesn't go away in two, three weeks. That's going to last a couple months. So this guy's playing with a bunch of injuries, and you can't even tell. Just an absolute warrior. Joe Mixon, another one. You know his ankle's not totally right, but you can't tell when you watch him play. He was outstanding this game. He looks unaffected by any injury. You know, even after he scored, he's dancing around. I'm like, you know what, just just chill out because I know you have a bad ankle. You know, don't injure it on the celebration, but, you know, have fun out there. As I said, you couldn't even tell he was hurt the way he was playing. And he's doing it all. He's getting receptions. As I said, they needed to get him more involved in the passing game, and they did this game, and it worked. Obviously, he's running all over the field, giving us ball control, clock, getting yardage, Making the blocks, too, especially downfield. There was a couple times this game where he made downfield blocks. One of them I'll go into later on the chase play, but he is just, you know, he's he's worthy of that Pro Bowl selection that he got. Wide receivers, what more can I say about the trio? The drafting of chase was just the best decision that they could have made, and they, they said it after. They said, you know, this is a passing league, and we wanted to make our wide receiver unit impossible to cover and that's that's starting to show up in these games you just can't stop all three of these guys they all have their their weapons you know Boyd is tough over the middle with great hands Higgins with the routes and catching the ball perfectly like we've been talking about really coming alive really playing like the best receiver in the league right now and then Chase the toughness the athleticism you see him hurdle that Raven early on in the game and the strength he's a guy that that Smaller DBs aren't having fun tackling either. So there's so much that goes into all three of these receivers. They're just weapons. And I know Chase got flagged on that taunting call respawned the ball on the sideline. You know what? He won't do that again. He knows. Uzama's continuing to run hard after the catch. He's playing fast out there. He's making his blocks. The offensive line generated some big holes for Mixon. I thought Isaiah Prince had a very good game. I thought most of them up front had a good game. It looked like Adenogy was wearing out a little bit later in the game. I don't know. I always like to go into the sacks just to see what went wrong. So we were sacked three times this game. The first sack, they sent the lineman plus two defensive backs. They had a safety coming up the middle, and they had a corner who was on the edge threatening to blitz. So Mixon went after the corner. No one picked up the blitzing safety. Joe takes a big hit. That was sack number one. And then sacks two and three came later in the game. Again, probably unnecessary for Burrow to take those hits, but, you know, with glory comes, comes the price, I guess. So on, on the second sack, Adenogy misses a block on a defensive tackle. Just a, a really bad miss. Joe takes a big hit. And on the third and final sack, it was a play or two later, Adenogy got driven backwards into Joe, and Joe got sacked on that one as well. So the coaching staff reacted quickly. After those two bad plays pretty much back-to-back, they brought in Jackson Carmen. And on Jackson Carmen's first play, he gets driven back into Joe Burrow for a hit. Not a sack, but not an impressive debut when he goes in there. And then he lets up a hit on Burrow later where he kind of gives up on the play. And that was something that burned me about Michael Jordan last year. He would give up on the play after his initial push. And I saw that out of Jackson Carmen twice when he was in there. He was only in there for a handful of snaps. And he allowed two hits on Burrow and kind of quit early on plays. That's not tolerable. I still believe in Jackson Carmen. I'm hoping that he grows into an efficient starter for us. He was such a high pick. You don't want to see that go to waste. But, man, you need to hustle like that. I'm hoping that Coach Pollock really lets him know that that's unacceptable. Because I can, I can take a guy getting beaten. I can't take Joe Burrow taking a hit because you gave up early on the play. You play to the whistle. You know that. You've been playing football since you were nine years old, maybe earlier. You know you play to the whistle. Defensively, the defensive line was solid without Reeder. Early on in the game, we let up a couple runs, and I was like, oh, man, we're missing him. This is not going to be good. But they buckled down, like just like everything. The offensive line buckled down after the first drive, and the defensive line buckled down after the first drive. B.J. Hill, another great game. Tupo filled in perfectly for Reader, the best interior defensive line group in the league. And Hendrickson, a game wrecker, especially right out of the half. He gets another sack, so that streak continues. And he kept contain on a bunch of plays, too. Normally, when you have a defensive end that's that aggressive, that's that crazy on the field, and you know that productive with sacks... They start getting a little sack crazy, so maybe they don't keep contained on the edge. They take that hard angle to the quarterback, and you see people run around him a lot. I saw that with Carl Lawson a lot last year. Has not been a problem with Hendrickson, especially this game. And then it was good to see with the injuries that we had. Khalid Kareem didn't play. Sample went out early. Uh, Reader was out for this game. It was nice to see that we had veterans to put in their place. It wasn't just throw in a rookie that's never had a snap in the NFL before. We had Noah Spence come in on the edge. And we had Mike Daniels making his first appearance of the year on the interior. He got in there one time, too, on one of the plays. So again, good to see that in a pinch you have veterans that you can rely on that have a ton of NFL experience. The DBs were another group that had a rough first drive, and then they were locked down after that. If you look at the receptions by the Ravens receivers, I know that Bateman had like four on the first drive or whatever, but their numbers, none of them did anything this game except that in that first drive. So it was good to see our defensive backs... Corrected things quickly and just ate up their wide receiver core. Eli Apple played another great game. He started over Wayne's, so they're really starting to believe in Eli Apple's ability, and he's playing so well lately, and he's tackling well in the run game as well. So all of that goes in. When you have corners that can tackle and help out in the run game, that's a solid defense. That's a hidden weapon, and all of these guys tackle so well, especially Mike Hilton. Nice to see Von Bell get that pick. That was just a bad throw johnson was throwing to a covered receiver and he didn't see bell coming over from the middle of the field it was just ugly but nice to see bell get that for the stats he was holding on to that ball so hopefully that makes his way onto the trophy case and then lastly special teams mcpherson i wanted him to get that 50 yarder to tie the record and it it will happen this year but you know that one sailed right on him no one's perfect 50-yarders are hard. We've gotten used to him just eating up 50-yarders, so when he misses, we're shocked. It's like missing an extra point for him. But his day will come. I think he's going to get that record this year. I'm certainly rooting for him. The coverage teams were outstanding in the punt and kick return game. Stanley Morgan, Clay Johnston had a big play. Flowers was getting down there as well. Huber with no punts. Clark Harris, long snapping perfectly again. Had to mention him. Haven't mentioned him in a while. And it really looks like Trent Taylor is working out at kick returner, which we're going to need for the postseason as well. The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Justin Lacey. All right, we're here with Justin Lacey. Justin, how are you after that big game?
1: You know, it was very surprising. Great weather so far this weekend. It's like one of those moments where you just sit back, puff away at a nice cigar, sip on some wine, and just enjoy the sunshine. That's exactly how I'm feeling after that
0: win. Love it, man. I'm feeling the same way. It was a big Sunday for us. So what are your thoughts on everything up to this point and how things went this weekend and the prognosis for the future?
1: My first initial thought is this. We've arrived. We have arrived. And this was the type of performance I think that a lot of fans were waiting and begging the coaching staff to let loose uh, for Joe Burrow to just go ahead and let him cook. I just could not get it out of my mind of the performance. And just that sheet that I saw just in and out of itself was just, just mind-boggling to me. The Migos, our trio of great wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, whew, they stepped up in an incredible way. Joe Mixon had a touchdown. It was just an incredible dominating performance, I loved it. As far as the intricacies of the team, the season, the outlook, anything short of a division title would be pretty much be disappointing at this point. I don't want to get in as a wild card team, if I'm personally being honest with you. I want to get in. This team has worked so hard, and they've overcame so much adversity and grew so much that they deserve an AFC North title.
0: You know, Justin, we were talking before we went on about some of the 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 stuff that's been going on on Twitter and a lot of the people talking about how it was possible that we were rubbing it in in that game. What are your thoughts on that?
1: That Wink Martindale needs to eat it. That's number one. This dude just sat there blatantly disrespected the Cincinnati Bengals for multiple years in a row. And now he gets a sip of their own, they get the sip of their own medicine and now all of a sudden they can't handle it? Are we going to just sit there and forget, like Lamar Jackson wasn't sitting on our sideline in shades two years ago when they were running up the score and they beat us 49 to 10 or 49 to 14 and no one really talked about that? Or even last year when we didn't have anybody left to play, <laughs> to play on our team in week 17 and Baltimore just straight up dominated us 38 to three. And I always attribute it to the Ravens just have a knack of making bad teams look a little bit worse than what they really are. This time, the Bengals decided to play to be the bully and fight back. Rub it in your face. And I'm honestly here for it. They've done it for so many years to us. I wanted the Bengals to be able to send a stern message because Donwick Martindale called out Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and pretty much disrespected them as they're not as good as other tandems in the league. And they went out there and showed it on full display and now they got to now they got to eat those words.
0: I'll tell you, you're right. I remember that game when Lamar had the shades on on the sideline. I remember Juju and Ebron dancing on the sideline when they were whooping us, you know, one, in one of the games in recent years. It just seems like the Bengals seem to do it with more class. I know we were kind of piling it on, but we seem to do it with more class than those other organizations. So, on to those other organizations. What are your thoughts? It looks like we put the Ravens in the rearview mirror. It looks like the Steelers are just not going to be contenders this year, even though they have an outside chance. And now we face that weird scenario where the Browns could kind of backdoor in if things don't go our way. What are your thoughts on that whole thing?
1: Yeah, that's definitely something that we got to keep an eye out for with Cleveland, you know, backdooring their way to a division title. And if that happens, that would be one heck of a shame. Just because the Cleveland Browns are not playing to the level of what everybody thought that they were going to play. And they sure as heck did not even perform into the standard of where you thought that they were going to be this past game against the Green Bay Packers. So with that being said, no, I get it. The Browns have had our number during our rebuilding years, but the future outlook of the division, I just can't see how it doesn't run through us moving forward. I don't expect Pittsburgh to be down for long in the future. You know, even after Ben Roethlisberger retires, you're going to assume that they're going to write the ship at some point. That's just what Pittsburgh does. Baltimore, they're also another organization where they're still going to write the ship if they do ultimately miss the postseason. But the Bengals can take really good ownership and a really good grip as a division for a lengthy stretch of time because they got the best quarterback in their division, in my eyes. I don't see it as Lamar Jackson being the number one best quarterback in the division. Yes, Lamar has had a fantastic MVP-level season in 2019, and people still wants to throw up there on a the pedestal. That was two years ago. Look at him now. I understand that he didn't play in yesterday's game, but ultimately, you got to move on. You got to keep getting better, and I think that Lamar is still the same guy. Very talented, loving the depth. I root for him, but this is Joe Burrow's season. This is the Cincinnati Bengals moment here. And we need to seize this opportunity for future years because we got the youngest team in the division. We got the youngest roster in the AFC North and even also in the AFC. And they're only just going to get better. And we're going to now force our division opponents to draft in order to stop us and beat us. So now we have a perfect opportunity to dictate what the other teams in our division will do.
0: And I'll tell you, while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I know that you know both of us talk about the national media and the disrespect that they're giving us. What do you think about the way that the national media is portraying the Bengals and the whole Herbert Burrow thing? I know that's really not important now because it's all about the playoffs. Who cares about the Chargers? But you know, as as Bengal fans watching Herbert get that Rookie of the Year when that was Joe's award to win, just in in general, what are you feeling about the national media and the? the Herbert comparisons with Burrow.
1: That the national media is only going to go to where the numbers dictate and where the popular fan voices are going to be heard. And unfortunately that number is not necessarily geared towards Cincinnati folks. Cause if you look at the stat sheet, honestly, yes, Herbert has the flashy big play throws that can sort of define his arm strength, you know, and, and I, and I like, but, when it comes to the real intricacies of playing the quarterback position at a higher level, Burrow just kills it on a number of different just a number of different levels that I just don't know if Herbert can really reach in due time. Maybe he do, maybe he don't. I don't know. But as far as the national media standpoint goes, honestly, if I'm talking directly to the Bengals fan base, stop worrying about the national media because they're only gonna be focused on their agenda. They're only gonna prop up guys that they like and only thing they're going to be propping up is what gets them ratings. We don't need to be worried about any of those kind of things. As long as we know we got the guy behind center that's going to get us to the promised land, that's all we need to focus on.
0: What are your thoughts on the upcoming game against the Chiefs that's going to kind of define our season? It's almost like, you know, up-and-coming team of the AFC versus the incumbent great team in the AFC. I mean, we're, we're facing a really major matchup this week that can dictate a lot. What are your thoughts on everything? And if you had the Bengals locker room and or the fan base, what are your what's your message to everybody?
1: Man, I can't wait to play the Chiefs. You know, my first initial thought is this. yes, the Chiefs have righted the ship after their early season struggles uh, when they were trying to figure things out on defense and they kind of sputtered a little bit on offense. But I got to give credit where credit is due. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes – um, they have righted the ship in a big way, and they got their swagger back. So it's definitely going to be a huge test for our Bengals team moving forward when we go against these Chiefs here in Paul Brown Stadium. Seeing what I saw on this play against Baltimore and the clinic that they put on tells me that, you know what, this team is ready to play against anybody. And yes, the Chiefs are on an eight-game winning streak, but I'm if I'm sending a message to the fans and the team and the player in the locker room, I'm letting you know and I'm letting everybody know that we have a chance to be the perfect kryptonite to the Chiefs for future years to come because we don't have a quarterback that's always going to want to put the ball in harm's way at all. We have a really clinically surgeon of a passer at quarterback, and he can do literally anything that all these other strong-armed, powerful quarterbacks can do. Patrick Mahomes is a wizard at quarterback. I have seen that kid do things that I have not really seen a lot of other quarterbacks do. And, but I'm not asking Joe Burrow to be Patrick Mahomes. I'm asking Joe Burrow to just simply be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow can win you games in multitude of ways. He can—he just showed you against the Ravens that he can beat you if you need to throw the ball a lot. He just shows you that he can dominate in that way. We can beat you with the run. We can beat you with if we need to play a slobber knock, defense, smash mouth game. We can do it a number of different ways, and we have the perfect quarterback that can morph our offense in any different styles. So the Chiefs better be ready for a dogfight. Everybody says that we need to be ready to face the Chiefs. I look at it as a way of the Chiefs need to be ready to face us. They haven't seen us yet. They have seen teams that's similar in those regards, like Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay, their defense is solid. But Roethlisberger is not Joe Burrow at this stage of his career. Yeah, I understand that you had a nice battle back and forth with Justin Herbert, who did beat them earlier in the season. But Joe Burrow's a different breed of quarterbacking right now, and I don't really know if they're truly ready for that. And I don't really know if they even have the the manpower to even cover our three receivers. So it's going to make for a great showdown fight. I just honestly cannot wait to see it. And fans, don't be nervous at all. And no matter what happens in this game, just be proud that the Bengals have put forth so much effort until we get to this point thus far. And that's all you can ask for in this Bengals organization.
0: Justin, excellent and inspiring stuff. And I hope that you're right on all fronts. I kind of feel that you are. How do people find you on social media? I am on Instagram,
1: juddy13, J-U-T-T-Y-1-3.
0: Week 17 preview, Cincinnati Bengals versus Kansas City Chiefs. Man, this is lining up to be a big one. They talk about getting hot down the stretch, and those are the teams that go far in the playoffs. And what better way to show that you're hot after the last couple outings that we've had than to go in and beat the top team in the AFC? The Bengals beat the Chiefs. People are going to be talking about a Bengals Super Bowl coming. So let's get it started now, because we're going to need to face these guys in the playoffs if we want to go to the Super Bowl. So let's show that we can hang with them this game. All right, so a little background on the Chiefs. We all know the legend of Patrick Mahomes. And for a while, I thought he was the best quarterback in the league and possibly still is. I know you have your Brady and your Burrow and Aaron Rodgers, you know, a couple others, maybe Josh Allen's up there. But Mahomes is is a pretty special talent, so he's definitely something to worry about, and we'll go into that in just a minute. So the Chiefs are on an eight-game winning streak right now. Six of those games were at home. They're not noted for having a great defense, but if you look at the players on that defense, it's a very good roster of players, and they have a very good defensive coordinator in Spagnola. And then you see the stats. They haven't let up more than 10 points in a bunch of games. That's at home. In those six home games, they never let up more than 10, those six home wins. On the road, they gave up 14 to Las Vegas, and then they give up 28 to the Chargers and Herbert on the road. So, you know, there's a lot of parallels with Herbert and Burrow, same draft class, a lot of comparisons. We talk about it probably more than we should. But if you look at it, they're letting up, what, an average of 20-something on the road, an average of, like, 10 at home. This is a road game for them. And they're not playing a pushover quarterback, and they're playing the hottest offense in the league right now. And then you may argue that the Chiefs are the hottest offense in the league right now, and that's debatable. Their last four games, here's what they scored. 22, 48, 34 36 they're on a roll right now so this is going to be no picnic for us we're going to have to make sure that we stay disciplined we take out their top two weapons you know that's going to be major keys to winning this game in those four big point totals Mahomes has only hit over 300 yards once it was a 400 yard game but in the other games he's been below 300 so they're relying on the run as well as the pass it's not just Mahomes throwing the ball all over the park to Hill and Kelsey and the crew they're fourth in the league in points scored and fifth in the league in points allowed so again a very dangerous team and the coaching Andy Reid is a winner in this league Eric Bieniemy, former Bengal is always in line for a head coaching job and you know he's going to be getting it in the next year or two Steve Spagnola, who we mentioned before another veteran defensive coordinator so excellent coaching staff excellent offense excellent defense great quarterback you know what let's go So when we're on offense, we're going to have to worry about who they're matching up against us, and their corners are playing very well right now. You have Hughes, Snead, and Ward all playing excellently, and that's the battle. Hughes, Snead, Ward, you're going to be against Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. Let's go. Our best against your best. Let's see who wins, and truthfully, between us, I think that's our edge, despite how well those guys are playing. And they have three excellent safeties, Tyron Matthew. I always get into debates. I think I think if they get another ring, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. And he's playing pretty well this year. He got banged up last game. Sorensen has turned into their third safety, but he's had a nice career. Thornhill is the guy who replaced Sorensen, and he's also at the top of the charts, according to PFF. So they have a really good secondary defensive line. They get the gift of Melvin Ingram from the Steelers. Thanks, Pittsburgh. He's been playing really well since he's been there. I read on the Chiefs' website that they felt that their defense turned around when he came aboard so you know he's a threat they're going to move him around I see him against Isaiah Prince a lot so Prince has to be on his game if Prince played like he did the last game that's going to be good for us Chris Jones is having an outstanding year another defensive lineman to worry about and Frank Clark is aging a little bit not as effective as he used to be but always a threat so there's good guys on the defensive line the linebackers are playing pretty well the secondary is playing excellently so with all that said how do you attack this team I think that we start the game with a lot of mixing. We keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. We challenge that linebacking core. You know, we we get our offensive line attacking them rather than in pass protection constantly. Almost think you have mixing a lot early, and then we set up our wide receivers later. But a hidden weapon. I say it's time to unleash Chris Evans. I know it sounds crazy because he's a backup running back, actually a third-string running back, but there's not a lot of tape on him. He's excellent out of the backfield. And this could be the secret weapon for this game. All right, they're all jacked up. They're preparing for Mixon. They've studied every move and every nuance of Boyd, Higgins, and Chase. You know, they have their plans on doubling Chase or doubling Higgins or whatever they want to do. All of a sudden, you bring out a guy who's barely played this year who could be very effective, so watch out. Come on, Coach Taylor, I hope you're listening. Let's make this the Chris Evans game. And then after a bunch of Mixon and Chris Evans... We start trusting our wide receivers to beat their corners because you, you can't just rely on Joe Mixon the whole game. You're going to have to go up top to compete with this offense, and it's going to be mono e mano, Our strength against your strength. Let's see who wants to go to the Super Bowl more. Defensively, what do you do? I mean, you can't contain Mahomes. You just have to try to limit him. You can't contain Kelsey. You have to try to limit him. You can't contain Tyreek. You just have to try to limit him. A lot of teams were playing some zones that were working against Tyreek. With Mahomes, he was getting some turnovers early, so let's try to get him back into that turnover mode, get some pressure on him. Maybe Hendrickson gets a couple big hits that cause big plays. You know, Kelsey's in the protocol right now, but I'm sure he's going to be back for this game, and they're going to try to match him up on our linebackers constantly, so we're going to have to be conscious of that, help out with some safeties. And then Tyreek, yeah, it's going to help with a double coverage on him. You know, Hilton's a great player for us. Coverage is not his strongest suit, even though he's having a decent year there. So if there's a lot of one-on-ones, Tyreek versus Hilton, that's going to be a tough battle to overcome. And I say you sell out against the pass. You know that they're, the key to them moving the ball is the passing game. Alaire is probably going to be out. Darryl Williams is decent. They brought in Gore last game. He had a good game. They're, they're saying they might bring McKinnon back. That would be a big weapon for him, but... I'm not really fearing any of those running backs, even if Alaire is in there. So, you know, the, the Bill Belichick method, right? You, you take away their biggest weapons. So in this case, what, we take away Hill, we do everything we can to contain Kelsey, and we just depend on our front four doing what they've been doing and shutting down the running game. You know, because beyond Kelsey and Hill, the other guys are all fast, they can be productive, You know, we all know their names. Hardman, Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. So those, I mean, Pringle had a great play last game where he ducked under two guys for a touchdown. So you can't sleep on any of them. But I think you just really have to worry about their big two. Just like we had to contain Mark Andrews this past game. And even though he had over 100, we didn't let him beat us. We have to do the same thing with Kelsey and Hill. Their offensive line is strong. They did a lot to rebuild that this year. The interior, you know, with Creed Humphrey, Tooney, Trey Smith, those guys are all playing at a high level they're a little bit weaker at tackle Orlando Brown is decent I don't know if he's going to be playing this game so I think they're going to be more vulnerable on the edges and that's good because then Hendrickson can really light it up and you know I don't care how well Tooney's playing or whoever's in there is playing DJ Reader is going to be a force Larry Ogunjobi is going to be a force so again a strength of ours versus a strength of theirs I'm telling you guys this is lining up to be the game of the year it's going to be a shootout Regardless of the defenses, it's going to be score, Burrow scores, Mahomes scores, Burrow scores, Mahomes scores, last man standing wins. What happens? 41-38 Bengals. McPherson, 52-yard field goal at the whistle to win it. Bengals win the division. Bengals move into the two-seed. Bengals threaten the Chiefs for the Super Bowl. And it's all right in front of us. AFC North standings. All right, the Bengals are currently in first place in the AFC North with a 9 and 6 record. The Ravens are in second at 8 and 7. The Steelers are in third at 7-7 and 1, and the Browns are in last place at 7 and 8. The Bengals are currently the third seed in the AFC That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Chiefs game and a preview of the season finale against the Cleveland Browns. And we're going to welcome in some special guests as well. I'd like to thank @bengals_highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. the unofficial Bengals podcast.